Hello all, and welcome back to another episode of Movies and Us, a weekly gathering place filled with conversations about movies, stories, and connection. My name is Jennifer Hahn. And I'm Sarah Callen. And today we are continuing our run-up to the Oscars this year, and we are reviewing May-December. All right, Sarah, kick us off with an IMDb summary for May-December. 20 years after their notorious tabloid romance gripped the nation, a married couple buckles under pressure when an actress arrives to do research for a film about their past. All right. Uh, In Movies and Us tradition, let's start off with our one-sentence summaries for May-December. Sarah, what is yours? Uh, Mine is, no barbecue is complete without hot dogs. And there's not enough of them. There's not enough hot dogs. There's not (laughs) enough, which is a real tragedy. Like it it, it truly is. Let's just acknowledge this travesty in all of the world. She didn't have enough hot dogs for the barbecue. Nope. Nope. Cut to an entire tray. (laughs) So many dogs. dogs. (laughs) Oh, Oh, so good. So good. Um, my one sentence summary is let's play Russian dolls with media exploitation. Mm, yes. Yeah. Mm. You're not wrong. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, this will be this will be an interesting episode. Uh, I think we'll have a pretty, pretty fascinating discussion about May, December here. So uh, let's dive in by sharing our thoughts and reactions to this movie will keep our thoughts at a high level in this first section and then we will include a spoil alert this movie is available on netflix so um we recommend checking out before continuing to listen to the second half of our conversation but first high level sarah i'm i'm quite intrigued your thoughts about may december and everything kind of surrounding may december as well uh yeah i I really enjoyed watching this film. Uh, I I like a lot of the the technical aspects of it. I think a lot of the way that uh, this is shot. I think the score is phenomenal. Good performances by the leads. Like I was immersed in this movie. I was like, oh, I'm here for this. This is such a like wild ride of a movie. Um, and I didn't know that it was kind of loosely based on a, a real story. And so after watching the movie and after learning that and then reading a little bit more about the real story and how the real people who are still alive feel about this movie, uh, now I have some more mixed feelings about this. And I I don't know, I, I feel like there's a lot of conversations around you know, movies that are based on true stories or inspired by real events and what is the responsibility there. And then you have something like May, December, which was clearly inspired by real events, but is not broadcasting that and is a work of fiction, uh, yet is lending itself or like lending, uh, like the true story to itself. I don't I, so I think there's a lot of like interesting things to like discuss around that too. Uh, but but the the real story has kind of made my my feelings about May December as a work of 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 fiction and and as a movie a little bit more complicated. So 
I'm, I'm not sure how I feel about this movie anymore, even though I had a great time watching it. And I think that it's, it's very excellent in its execution. I just, I don't know the, the real life stuff and the, the potential harm that, that this portrayal of this story can do to real life people, uh, has given me some qualms. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I know that since its release, it's, it's gotten a lot of controversy around that as well. And um, the, the the person that this story is largely based off of has like spoken out as well. So there's a whole host of stuff surrounding this movie that I think is, is pretty fascinating, but um, yeah, I, I, I feel conflicted about this movie while I was watching it. And I now feel unsure how I feel about this movie also knowing about all of the events that happened. I actually went into this movie knowing it was based on uh, real events just from, I think, like reading a little bit about it beforehand, which I think kind of colors the way that I probably viewed this movie compared to you who went in uh, fully just thinking that this was a work of fiction. I actually think that it really does change how you view this movie because um, – this movie is really leaning into a lot of like sensationalism surrounding like the the melodrama of the events that have occurred. And even in the way that it's framed and in the ending scenes, I think it, it really focuses on like the, the height of the drama of those moments versus really wanting to like understand who these characters are. Um, the whole framing of this story with uh, Elizabeth as an actress coming to like study and understand this family, I think simultaneously is like really fascinating to me, but also creates the same problems that I have with this movie, which is that I feel like the movie doesn't seem to be really interested in who its characters really are, but takes more of the stance of like observing them from afar. So I constantly felt this like distance from the characters, which actually might be like a very intentional choice. So I then was thinking about all of my issues with this movie and wondering if they were all just like genius intentional choices and that Todd Haynes has created this film as a like a scathing review of, you know, the way that the media exploits people, but then also the movie does that too. <laughs> so that's my nod to the Russian dolls in, um, my one sentence summary is that is it like is this a very self-aware movie that is doing the thing that it is also examining and if so that's actually kind of fascinating and, and genius also problematic but if that so that's the generous reading of this movie the non the, the like not so generous reading of this movie is that this movie is just exploiting the real life story as well fully 100 percent. like did not include um any of the real life people in telling the story at all wasn't even contacted. They were not part of the development of it. Um, and then, it, then we get to thinking about and talking about the whole uh, debate and conversation on the interwebs that you brought up, which is what's the responsibility of the film to communicate that this is inspired or not inspired by a true story, especially when there are details like full, like, lines of dialogue were taken from interviews that the real life people had like that's that's a pretty like close reading of uh, a close representation of the real life events this is not just like inspired by anymore but very much like rooted in 
And so that's a whole fascinating conversation that I think will be fun for us to have too around that front. Like what responsibility does a movie have or not have? And if they deviate creatively enough, are they now wiped clean of having to to communicate about that? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's so hard. You know, where is that line? Even, even with movies that, that claim that they are based on a true story and obviously creative liberties are taken. So, so where is that, where is the line drawn and, and how much creative liberty can one take to differentiate the movie enough from the real life facts? Mm -hmm. And, and I don't know, it's not, there's not a simple answer to this, I don't think. And honestly, like since I watched this movie when it came out in December, so mm-hmm. like for a couple months now, I've been thinking about this, and I, the the part that I keep coming back to is that this movie has harmed somebody who was harmed in this story, mm-hmm. and that to me is not okay, especially when like. If a few, I, I think if if the, the filmmaking process had been a little bit more responsible, then they could have been honoring to this person instead of just exploiting this story and exploiting their story for the filmmaker's benefit. Like that part is what just like doesn't sit right to me. So I'm, I'm not sure where the line is of, of how much creativity do you need, but I just, if, if people are being harmed because of your movie that you put out, like that's not okay. And, mm-hmm. and what can we do to make sure that we can honor people's stories instead of just exploiting them? Mm-hmm. And it's just ironic because the movie is about exploiting yes. stories. Like, yeah. like, I just wonder how that didn't, no one raised that no one like that didn't click for anybody that was part of this creative process like this this one of the main characters in this movie literally has a whole conversation with this person who is the victim in this situation about calling his life a story and there's a whole scene about it and then for them to also be doing that to the real life person it just feels like it's just it's just too ironic and too coincidental that I'm like, how did one, no one raise it, or two, was this intentional? And then if so, is there some meta commentary that they're trying to make here? I don't think it excuses any of it, but I think it is fascinating. I think about like, was that what is was there an element of intentionality in that to get us as the viewers of this movie to also feel the ickiness of watching this story being exploited as well? You know, like for 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 mm-hmm. the effect for us to contemplate. Yeah. I don't know, but it's, it's a it's a uh, interesting uh, shaking out of events, huh? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I I don't know, I don't know. It's still it's gross though, but I I do appreciate that this has stirred up so much controversy and that people are having conversations about this. And I don't know maybe something will will come of it probably not but like so much of our media is exploiting people's stories or 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 sensationalizing people's stories and we're entertained by that and so i i do appreciate that this movie is that is a a key part of this film that really forces us to to think about it and 
I mean, this this trend has been going on for decades. You know, this is not a new thing, this sensationalism. So I do think it's a really worthy topic that this film is exploring. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. It almost like the film uh, essentially commits the crime that it is also depicting, <laughs> which is just like to a T too. Like the, the, the way that this movie is filmed leans into the melodrama and the sensationalism in the way that Elizabeth's character in the movie that she also ends up making also leans into that as well. So there's this really interesting like layering meta effect um, that that really pushes us to wonder like, oh, like we are the viewers that are watching this movie that is also the movie that Elizabeth has made for her viewers for her movie, you know? And that that like double layering of of um uh, place that we have as viewers is like pretty fascinating mm -hmm. it, it really is a russian doll situation you nailed it with your one sentence summary <laughs> which but like it also doesn't make sense too which we go we just made that point of like it, it also is like how does how did you do the thing that you were also yeah. saying at, at the same time fascinating mm -hmm. stuff um yeah yeah, it's like uh, like do as I say, but not as I do, but like a movie form. Yeah, yeah. It's like, is yeah, it okay if we commit weird. the crime if we're like self aware about it? Like then, then we're then we're good. Then we're good, right? <laughs> nope, not good. Uh, not okay. Do not pass go. Do not collect two hundred dollars. No. Nope. <laughs> nope. Uh. Okay, let's include a spoiler here so that we'll have full reign to talk about any aspect of this movie. So if you haven't seen May, December, um, fascinating watch and fascinating to think about all of the things that we just talked about around the ethics around filmmaking and storytelling. We recommend checking it out on Netflix before continuing to listen to the rest of this episode. Okay, um, what were other parts of this movie or kind of the, the whole – narrative that is now surrounding this movie that was also interesting and fascinating to you as you've been mulling on this for the past three months <laughs> up until now yeah I I think I'm I'm trying to like separate out the movie itself from mm -hmm. the everything else that we just discussed and it's it's yeah. very hard for me to do so but I I, I really loved the technical components of this mm. film. I think that the score is super evocative and does a really, really great job of, of highlighting the, the drama, you know, the, the, we don't have enough hot dogs line. And then there's the dramatic stinger and the, the camera zooms in on her very close, like all of these things to, to make you feel like you're in one of those like cheesy made for TV movies or, or in one yeah. of the, the dramatic reenactments from like an old school unsolved mysteries episode, you know, like you feel like you're in one of those, but it's, it's also so artsy fartsy at the same time. And so I was just, I was really captivated by, by the cinematography and the score and, and how those things combined to really immerse you in this sensationalism and get you really thinking about all of those things that we just discussed. Um, mm -hmm. I, I think for me, that was, that was what really helped hook me into this movie and, and really captivate me when I watched it. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, even from the very opening scene of the car POV shot, like going down this like winding road, you kind of feel like you're descending into this otherworldly place. Like things are not, we are leaving Kansas and we are entering into a different world where things are not uh, as they seem, you know, like something is off here. Like that, that dissonance of the like, gorgeous t- willow trees and and um the soft sunlight paired with this like really harrowing soundtrack um and that score is like a interesting pairing and we we are slowly being drawn into this other place i thought that opening car scene was really great um from a technical perspective and then the other one that really stood out to me was the the two gracies um in the mirror shopping scene um mm-hmm. when they're buying a dress mm-hmm. for oh yeah. Her name is Mary. Yeah, that's some good camera work. Like just the 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 presence that Gracie has and the way that Elizabeth is like surrounded by her on all sides, I thought was like visually really fascinating too. Oh, that scene is so brilliant. It's so good on every level. And one of my favorite things about that scene is that the whole time Elizabeth is mirroring Gracie and and it's so mm. interesting to watch her do that and and shape shift like she obviously like shape shifts throughout the entire film but in that scene in particular you can see her doing it uh, and I just I loved I loved that but then there's also it's 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 such a pivotal scene to get to know Gracie even more and to see just how like manipulative and controlling she is and how she has managed to uh, organize her life and organize her children in such a way. And, and throughout the film, there's this real emphasis for Gracie on beauty. And I feel like that scene really helps bring a lot of those themes together so it's 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 a brilliant scene it's so beautifully shot but it also is just filled with meaning it's it's great Mm -hmm. yeah I think one of the things that was really fascinating about this movie is how we start the film with Elizabeth being like our stand-in like she seems to be this outsider who doesn't belong to this world who's come in and is just here to observe and take it all in right like she is us we are her we are also taking in this this world that uh this family inhabits and i love how over the course of the film like elizabeth soon becomes the also the object of now our observation because she she is not just there to do a simple observational study. She's got so much, uh, you know, like ambition and and things that are off about her in the way that she carries herself. Like the one that really stands out to me is the way that she handles the Q&A at um, the high school presentation mm-hmm. sequence. Like, like the, the, the strange obsessions and things that are off in her – uh, soon become now something that we are also observing. So again, the Russian dolls are back, right? Like she is observing Gracie and uh, we as the viewers are now observing both her and Gracie um, and the ways that she is so like Gracie in a lot of ways, but then also how unreliable that is because she is an actress and is it just part of her method acting or is she truly showing us more of who she really is? 
we will never know. But soon she also becomes the object of our observation. And that like layering, I think is also pretty, pretty interesting and fascinating in watching these two women interact with each other. Mm-hmm. And and you see how that changes throughout the film, because at the beginning, like you said, she is an outsider, but she's also distant from Gracie and, and Joe, too. And then, like, over the course of the film, she starts to integrate in with the family. She has more conversations with Gracie than Gracie and Joe, than just Joe, than the whole family and the kids. And then you also see... Even what uh, Elizabeth is sharing starts to change because in the beginning, uh, when her and Gracie are in that flower shop, Elizabeth is talking a lot about regret and how she has these things in her past, these mistakes that she's made that she thinks about and she's kind of stuck on. Whereas Gracie is like, no, I don't have time for regret. I don't know what that is. So like even emotionally and how they process things, they're in very different places. But then over the course of the film, you see that they start to become a little bit more like each other. So I think that's even fascinating to watch how I I feel like for Gracie, it's like almost like peeling back an onion. Whereas with Elizabeth, she's almost changing into Gracie as we're watching her. So it's it's fascinating to watch these two women interact with one another and and change over the course of the film in such interesting ways. Yeah, though that's a really fascinating point, which is that as we learn more about who these women are, how we understand that trajectory is different. Like like you mentioned with Gracie, it feels like an unveiling of who this person is and she is authentically herself in her best moments, her worst moments. Like we are truly knowing who Gracie really is. Elizabeth's interesting because it's just, she's so unreliable. Like there's no sense of trustworthiness we have in who she really is because it's framed from the perspective of she's an actress coming to study this person for a role that she's doing. And so the, I think that there's a there's a level of like discomfort that like I experience as a viewer of like I don't know how to take you in you know like in most films the you as the film progresses you feel like you understand and know this character more and more deeply and more and more intimately and in even in the ways that they are maybe confusing or different than you expected it still feels like a a greater unveiling of who they really are which is pretty much the trajectory we go on with Gracie. Elizabeth is kind of this, like, is she morphing into Gracie because that's the influence that Gracie has had on her? Or is she just, that's part of her acting process? Like, we, we, we still don't know, even by the end of the film, um, who she really is. And so she becomes almost more uh, elusive to us as a person by the end of the film. Uh, and, and then we see her fully in, in that arc like you mentioned, she is fully transformed into Gracie when she's on set playing her uh, in her movie. And so by the end, we really know even less about who she really is. Mm-hmm. And and I think even for Gracie, too, you know, there's so many conflicting accounts, too. Like, so Elizabeth has that conversation with Georgie and and he he drops that bomb that her brothers molested her and that's why Gracie has become the way that she is but then in the end 
Gracie is like, hey, no, I had him like plant that story. I talked to Georgie every day, you know, like, so Mm -hmm. it's even in that, like all throughout this movie, like you feel like you get a sense of who Gracie is, but also she is almost as enigmatic at the end Mm. as she is in the beginning. And, and I find that also fascinating. Like we learn a lot about her. We peel back some layers, but I, it's an unreliable narrator situation almost except there's not really a narrator, but we, we don't really know her by the end. And I'm not sure that she is actually knowable. And, Mm -hmm. and I think that's one of the things that I found interesting about this film is that in a lot of ways, both Gracie and Elizabeth are unknowable. And yet we, we spend so much time with them. I don't know. I, I found that an interesting creative choice. And I think that's why it's like uncomfortable and hard to watch this movie because that is inherently not a great feeling for getting to know anybody, right? Is that like the more time you spend with them, the more of an enigma they are. Um, I think it it serves as this really fascinating like forcing function throughout the film where you just – the curiosity is constantly being piqued even more. Like I just was like, I just, I need to know more about who these people are because it is frustrating that the more that I know, the less that I know. Uh, That's never fun. Usually the more that you know, at least like you feel like you know a little bit more to ask the right questions. Um, But it's just like the total opposite of any narrative arc that we typically see in a film, which is that by the end of the film, you feel like you've, you've understood more deeply the core of who a person is, even all the confusing, conflicting stuff. You feel like you've really gotten to the meat of, of who they, who they are as a person. You're right. This is the opposite trajectory. (laughs) We leave the film feeling more confused than likely we did when we started. And I think the other like fascinating aspect of this movie is that it, it somehow restrains uh, flinging judgment uh, as well. But it's also not totally like necessarily neutral either. Like it, it definitely has such a sympathy and and um, uh, there's there's every scene that Joe is in. There's a there's such a tenderness and like he is he's the emotional heartbeat of this movie. I would argue and and in a lot of ways the two women are are in his orbit and and even as like invisible as he's portrayed to be in this world like everything does center around him and the relationship that these two women have in, in relationship to him. Um, so, so this movie is not without judgment, but it also isn't filled with judgment, which I think is also such an interesting balance that this movie has somehow managed to, uh, toe the line of, um, in a film that you easily can paint certain people and in a very specific light. And, uh, this movie, it, it, it kind of dances around all of that. And it's not like outside of any of that, but it also is like not definitively on one side or the other, uh, which I think is, is another interesting choice that this movie makes. Frustrating for me while I was watching, but also fascinating to like dig into. Yeah, I think that was one of the things that I was really interested in with this movie is that it's it's fine with not really taking a stance. It's fine with not really having any answers, but it's just 
offering you up things to think about and things to ponder. And I don't know, I, I found that really intriguing. And it was one that I did have to sit with for a while and just think about. And I, I love a movie that, that makes you think and is un, uh, unafraid to, to be ambiguous and leave you with questions and leave you wanting more. So, so for me, this, that aspect of this really, really worked and uh, kept me engaged more than I thought that it was going to. Right. No character achieves any sort of catharsis and the film Mm -hmm. is so unkind in that it doesn't give any character uh, a a, a arc, really. Um, We have moments of emotional release, I would argue, in Joe, in Elizabeth, in Gracie, for sure. There are these moments of emotion, but they are not uh, organized in any sort of like... um, uh, arc or 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 there's not a thread line there it's just there's these moments that are emotional and then we move to the next scene you know like joe doesn't get any catharsis uh gracie doesn't either they just the movie ends and you assume that their lives continue on you know and man that's that's so counter to the structure that most films have And you get to write your own ending. So in my version of this movie, uh, Joe leaves Gracie, gets into therapy, works through a lot of stuff, and goes on to live a a happy, healthy, and productive life. Mm. Mm -hmm. I don't know that the movie supports that conclusion, but that uh, that is my headcanon for this movie, so... I chose a happy ending for Joe, even if the movie well. didn't. Because <laughs> he deserves one. Him and his butterflies. Man. Let the man live his life. Yeah. They they did such a good job with the scenes that he was in. It was so, like, heartbreaking in the most understated way, you know, just to see, like, how stunted he is. Um, and, and the every scene that depicts the power dynamic between him and Gracie just got my blood boiling, man. It was so like, so hard to watch. And yet it's such a mundane little life moment for these two people of just like talking about like chores and things that need to get done that it's not emotionally charged, but like knowing cognitively the full context of what has happened between the two of them, just it's hard to watch. And, and he, he is treated like a child by her. And man, that was that was tough. That was tough to watch. Like, Joe, yeah. get out, you know? Like yes. you're almost grateful for the presence of Elizabeth, even as even though she uses him in, in all of the ways that Gracie does as well. But like finally there's like a shaking awake that he gets a chance to have with Elizabeth coming and and speaking truth to him. And you're like, okay, this is the moment. And and it doesn't that conversation doesn't end well when he has it with Gracie. So um not the catharsis that we're we're hoping for, but the feeling of maybe a baby step towards progress to your headcanon ending. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I took that little scene and I ran with it. <laughs> and I went, This man deserves a happy ending. So I'm gonna give uh, it to him. Headcanons are great. Yeah. Aren't they? You know who has a lot of headcanon as well? Gracie. Gracie. (laughs) Yeah, you're not wrong. 
Oh, that that line she says, I am naive. In a way, it's been a gift. Like that is some great screenwriting because anyone who is naive will not talk about being naive in that way and can articulate it in that way. Um, Homegirl is is Delulu and she knows it and she is feeding it. But what is – what is so fascinating about her and, and Julianne Moore gives a great performance mm-hmm. as Gracie, but you can see her, especially with Joe, uh, how she's able to manipulate him into getting what she wants and being sure that she is in control and she has the power over him. And, and you see that throughout the film in these little moments where she'll try one tactic and it might not work the first time so then she'll do something a little bit different and she'll keep trying until she's the one with the power and I just I found that so fascinating because it's so subtle and 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 you can see it because we're on the outside but when you're in it you're you're not aware of it so I just I loved Julianne Moore's performance is obviously big in certain moments but it's also so small when it needs to be and I think that's what makes it so effective it's harrowing. The woman is like smiling as she's manipulating your mind. And then you realize that this has been his world and his reality since bef- mm-hmm. like when he was 12, 13. And you're like, yeah. oh, I understand why you've stayed. You know, like the the way that your your world has been formed by this the presence of this person in your life uh, – Man, I don't blame you for for not leaving, especially when there are children. Okay, that was the other really fascinating thing about this movie that I like went down a thought train on is like the the presence of the kids and the amount of scenes that the children are present in. I think is like so significant because um, it, it it's all it all comes to a fruition, especially in that graduation moment where you see how much uh, Joe gets emotional watching his children graduate, and it's like. The, the way that he is now tied and like stuck and locked into the situation out of love for the children that this woman has bore him is a, is another level of, like you mentioned, the control that is in place here. Uh, not only emotionally and, and cognitively is she manipulative, but like there is a very real like set of people that has have been are part of his family now that he has taken care of for years that are part of the equation that is now tying him to this woman like that is another level of being trapped that he doesn't realize but has been part of the story that has unfolded for him since he was young like i i was i thought it's it was so intentional how many scenes the children are constantly in throughout this movie Mm-hmm. And you see his relationship with the kids too, and you see how much he loves his kids. But you also see, like, they're so close in age, which is wild to think about. Uh, and so, in some ways, I think, especially like when he goes to pick up um, the daughter at the airport, and they're all like chatting in the car, and and the kids are able to have maybe more honest conversations with him because he is closer in age, even though he's the dad, but then you have 
that scene when he's on the roof with his son and he's smoking a joint for the first time and he's never done that before. And you see that even though he's he's a man in his 30s, he hasn't gone through some maybe formational things that, I mean, smoking a joint is not formational, but like normal things that teenagers normally mm-hmm. do, he couldn't do because he was already a dad. So I, I love that this film... God is shows all of these different facets of Joe and the things that he's gained, but also some of the things that he's lost along the way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think Charles Watson does such a great job portraying that in subtle ways and in the way that um, Joe stands or the way that he speaks that like tippedness that he has, he doesn't look Elizabeth in the eye for, for a long while. There's a, there's a, childlikeness in the way that he physically is uh emoting and showing up in the world even though he's in like a full-grown man's body um that cognitive like visual dissonance is also really fascinating as well um to see those scenes and especially in the in the moments where he's with gracie in in the same room you see the way that he immediately shrinks and and becomes invisible in her presence it's 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 a great it's a great performance by Charles Melton. Lots of like subtle stuff that he's doing there. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah, he is phenomenal in this. I think all of the performances are great, but man, he like you said, he is kind of the heart of this movie, and he he absolutely delivers in embodying Joe in in all of the big and the little the little ways. Yeah, yeah, this is. The amount of cognitive dissonance I had throughout this entire movie experience, like every time any of the children referred to him as dad, I'm like, mm-hmm. cannot compute, cannot compute this in my brain. <laughs> the, yeah. No, it's not working. I don't know how to understand this, but I think I think that's part of the point. But man, every time, time was, it doesn't. Oh gosh. Then you think about it a little bit, and you're like, oh okay. Yeah. 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 It's so good. And so the other thing that I I really loved that this movie did is you, I mean, unless you know the story, I didn't know the story going in. So you, you open on this couple who is just holding a barbecue and it's like, oh, sure. Maybe he's a little bit younger than her, but like nothing really like seems out of place except for like the score and the dramatic cinematography. It just looks like this slightly frazzled, uptight white woman is trying to hold a barbecue and freaking out, but they they seem relatively normal. And then you learn all of the story. So I, I just love the way that this film unfolds and like sucks you into this world first. And you can kind of assume some things about these characters and like oh what are we getting into I'm not sure and then it kind of like drops the bomb on on you about what this is actually about and then the rest of it is just kind of this weird ride through interactions with these people that's kind of shaving away at your your hypotheses about these people as we go on or introducing new variables into the equation to make things even more complicated so it just I loved it's so unusual I feel like the way that this is laid out but I don't know it it really worked for me 
It's interesting. I had this thought uh, in the first like 20, 30 minutes of this movie that it feels like a, like a, a mystery that we're trying to solve mm-hmm. in the way yeah. it's structured, right? Like here's the like external outside party, the detective, AKA Elizabeth that shows up and now she's questioning all of the witnesses and getting their take on the story. Like, because it's almost like this does not make sense. There's a mystery here that needs to be uncovered and something needs to be solved and, and understood. So, so in a lot of ways, like I felt that too. I was like, okay, like let's, we're in information gathering mode. Like, let's go talk to everybody. And we do for like the first 20, 30 minutes of this movie, we're just getting everybody's accounts of what happened, what it was like, how they felt. Uh, I thought that all of that framing was really interesting. And then slowly the detective also becomes uh, the specimen that we are observing, which I think shifts around the halfway point of the movie. Um, And I think that's when it gets even more fascinating as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And like, we are also trying to solve the mystery, you know, what just, why you know (laughs) what happened why what are we doing here like we are just we are filled with questions while watching this movie and the movie doesn't seem to answer any of them which is also quite a choice for this mystery that we have before us Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah yeah um I think it's also like really fascinating the way that Natalie Portman's character, Elizabeth, talks about the movie that she's making by saying, you know, it's an indie film. It's a it's a human story, she says at the beginning of the film. Um, and she, by the end of the movie, also states that she understands Gracie, right? Like in that final conversation that they have. Um, and, I, and I thought I, – I was – Thinking that this was going to be like this meta commentary about this film, which is a film about these two people and and like Elizabeth's line being also representative of what this, the movie is also trying to accomplish. Like the movie within a movie, it's – my brain hurts when I think about it. <laughs> You're on a Tuesday night. Um, but I, I thought that like – I don't, I don't know what to make of it, but I just think that like some of those lines are pretty fascinating in the way that Elizabeth's thinking about the, the types of roles and, and, and stories that she's looking to put out. And a lot of ways, like we begin to learn about her, that she's looking for something to sink her teeth into. Like she's, she's got these career ambitions to do something great. And this is the thing that she's chosen uh, to invest in. And that says a lot about like who she is as a character and also like the way that this film seems to be hoping to market the the movie that they're going to make at the end of this. Uh, I think all of that is some interesting commentary on like the state of entertainment and media and storytelling. Like there's, there's probably a lot there as well, which points me back to this movie is so self-aware in the way that it's positioning who Natalie Portman's character is and what she's about. And it feels like such a uh, examination of this types of stories that we tell and put to the screen and, and the people that are um, this, the, the people's stories that we're telling. So again, I just, I, I go back to how this movie does the same things that it's, it's looking to examine. 
I, I just find that so fascinating because there's so many lines and so many conversations throughout this that get at that point again and again. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's really wild. Uh, yeah, I don't know, but I, I, I do find it interesting how many lines within the movie also reflect the movie. So like in that conversation with, with that class, uh, Elizabeth says it's the moral gray areas that are interesting. And I feel like that's what this entire movie is, you know, <laughs> like we were talking about, it's, it's not judgmental. It's not, you know, a, a, a contemplation on what is right and what is wrong. It is dropping you into this hot mess of a situation where there is a clear victim and yet the film doesn't portray him fully as a victim. So I, I think this whole movie is just living in the gray and and that is what Elizabeth seeks to to portray in her films and that is who she wants to play and what she wants to explore yeah it's 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 wild that this so many lines in this movie could be said about this movie uh, how 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 does this happen <laughs> right <laughs> like there's no way you construct that without thinking deeply about what your movie is doing so then how did we miss that a whole other big giant elephant in the room you know because <laughs> you're right like elizabeth's character is also fascinated by people that are not clearly the villain and evil but they have they make choices that maybe are perceived as bad and and that's exactly what this movie has done right like in actually both of the two female characters that are are imperfect and flawed and make choices that to the outside observer are highly questionable and incredibly problematic. And yet they are also so human to us as well um, in the, in their ways that they're portrayed. And so it almost feels like Todd Haynes is also Elizabeth in a lot of ways and, and what the Todd Haynes is fascinated by. And then what Elizabeth is fascinated by in the types of movies she wants to make. It's so self reflexive reflective what's the word i'm trying to mean that 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 like how did we not think one step further i think and i think that's that's the thing that um i think really irks me about this film especially in choosing to end this movie by f including a an, an entire scene of a movie crew that is on set filming the moment of mellow, the arguably the like the most dramatic moment of this this couple's story, uh, which is the way that they first meet at the pet store and that moment where um, they are seducing each other, and to end on that scene of all scenes, just, it it just feels like it's Elizabeth's movies leaning into sensationalism, and so is this movie, and so it is doing exactly the thing that Elizabeth's movie is doing. Is that intentional? Right? Like if so, maybe maybe the goal is to get our brains to like think about that and then and and ponder that and examine that. That's I mean, that's that's a fascinating choice to be like basically turning in on itself. It's very similar to the souvenir in a lot of ways, you know, like um 
how multi-layered and like self-reflexive it is in in the way that it turns in on itself and is kind of self-commenting as it's also unfolding. Interesting. Very interesting structure. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I think this is where I just, I, I keep coming back to that. I think this movie is really, really problematic. You know, with the souvenir, Joanna Hogg was telling her own story Mm -hmm. and she, she had agency and she had choice and she, I mean, it's her story told her way. And I, I don't know, May, December removes that from, from, from the real life person who went through this. And I mean, that's, that's cool if it was intentional and they're trying to do all of this stuff, but I don't know. I just keep coming back to like, at what cost, you know, Mm -hmm. like, I I think all of that could have been done and it could still have been a really, really effective movie as a work of fiction. You know, like when I ended this movie thinking that this was purely a work of fiction, I was like, whoa, like there's a lot to talk about here. There's a lot to think about that was super powerful, like very interesting. And I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I just, I, I think taking that option away from this person to tell his story his way if he wants to tell his story he's he was a national tabloid story he might not ever want to be in the news again he might not ever want a movie made about him and so just to kind of like remove that I don't know I just that's it's gross to me and so like that's cool if the movie's trying to make that point but I think there are more ethical ways to do that but I don't know. I'm also not a filmmaker. I am not in the movie business. So what do I know? Mm-hmm. But I don't. I re- That aspect of this is is kind of coloring the whole movie for me, which I, I had a really good time with and I enjoyed. But the, the real life story has kind of soured it for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that's why I judge this movie more harshly in the choices that it's made, because it is clearly so self-aware. You know, like it, this wasn't an oopsie we forgot to include and we're just telling a story about somebody like that. The whole movie is about the thing that it's doing. So so there is clearly such an awareness and the whole thesis of the movie is around exploiting people's stories for sensationalism, for melodrama, for drawing audiences. And the movie does that exact thing. So, so the self-awareness of and and the the fact that the thesis is is exactly what the movie has now committed i feel like is a is a higher level of uh you know of of a total miss that was was made here in its judgment because there's clearly an, an awareness that you have around the points that you're looking to make so should we not be extra vigilant to to ensure that we we are not also doing the exact thing that we are looking to examine, you know? Um, I mean, in general, the, the, the exploitation of people's stories is not good, but if if you are also making the movie about that, it, it feels like a total miss to, to not have that level of intentionality to, to be aware of those choices, just the self-awareness, you know, like if, and you still do the wrong thing, I'm, I'm a, I'm going to ding you much harder for it. Yeah. Yeah. That is the worst, you know? Right. I mean, I do that too. So like, I, 
I get it. I will do something and I'm like, oh, I'm self-aware enough, but I'm still going to do it anyway. And then I judge myself. It's a whole cycle. But yeah, when a movie does that, I just, I don't know. It's, I don't know. It's, it's hard. This, this movie is now in the moral gray area and I don't know how to feel about it. And I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like if this was a pure work of fiction, I think this would actually be really fat. It's a fascinating thesis around the way that we use stories and, and these like dramatic, um, you know, problematic people's stories, events that have happened in real life and put them to the screen for entertainment, you know, like that, that whole pipeline is like really interesting in and of itself. And the way that the movie wants to like raise that to the top of our minds to ponder, like I'm all for that because that is such a thing that is happening. Um, especially I think now that we're in the streaming era, I feel like there's so many more of docu-series, like um, documentaries, you know, real life retellings of things like that. You know, like I feel like the streaming platforms are littered with like uh, all these stories around um, these these like really dramatic real life events that they've like essentially retold again. And, and that's kind of like, it's, if you zoom out, it's like, <laughs> let's look at ourselves. Like, why, why do we consume all of that? Um, there's something like, that we're fascinated by in that. And then to make the movie about that and to make money and drive attention and eyeballs off of that is like a really interesting, like gray area of like, okay, but we're doing the exact thing that um, we're also trying not to. It, it, it's, yeah, it all folds within itself. (sighs) Yeah. Which is just, it's wild. Yeah. So welcome to my brain for the last Mm -hmm. few months. Every time I've thought about this movie. I'll be like, oh my gosh, I really enjoyed it. And then I'm like, oh, but wait, there's this this Russian nesting doll situation that I have feelings about. And then I spiral Mm -hmm. for a little bit and then I think about something else. Yeah. 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 It's great. Well, and I've also thought about like um, that that gray area because this movie and this whole conversation is all about the grays. Uh, But the gray area of when a story is inspired by real life events and then like how the positioning of that piece of content, like even, even if you say Todd Haynes really like was inspired, but didn't pull from much of, of any of those real life conversations. I mean, in, in reality that him and his whole team have, have shared that they've went back to read like interviews between the two of them and, and watch interviews and they research so much of the relationship to understand their dynamics and then use that as inspiration for the script. So like th- this was like fully inspired by truly. And they, they include full like lines of dialogue um, from some of their, their interviews that they've given, but even if they hadn't and there, he felt like there was enough deviation. It almost doesn't matter what the intentions were at that point, if the way that the movie is talked about is in connection with the real life people as well. And that whole like media marketing positioning PR firestorm that can like quickly snowball as well is an interesting aspect of the responsibility you have around that navigating the gray air of how much you differentiate or don't, you know, like there's, there's the amount of 
reviews, headlines, articles about this movie that are all positioning it as like a retelling and, and inspired by and rooted to these real life people's events and their story. Um, like some of that, even if, even if it's beyond Todd Haynes control and, and he didn't intend and he thought he differentiated enough, like that whole media of firestorm is also the responsibility of the filmmakers and the marketing team to, to figure out how to manage as well. Because like you mentioned, that the cost of the real life people is still there, regardless of the intention. In this case, they really did. Um, and they've admitted in interviews that they've researched their relationship heavily to, to, to form the script. So they're, they're also not trying to like position themselves or distance it from uh, the real life events, but even just like the, the responsibility you have around how to manage the marketing firestorm and, and the media firestorm that comes with it is an interesting question that I was ruminating on. Here's the thing. Did we not learn this lesson with Green Book, that terrible, terrible movie where they did not <laughs> consult Dr. Donald Shirley's family about this no. movie and it created no. a whole problem for them. It was a terrible movie and they did that family dirty. Like, are you kidding me? How did mm -hmm. we not learn from green book? Come mm -hmm. on folks. We yep. can do better. Like, and I don't know. I, I understand that there's probably like a financial component as well. You know, lots of money is spent when making a movie. I understand if you're going to adapt somebody's story, they deserve to be compensated in some way. I get it. There's an expense there, but isn't that worth it? Like, I don't know, maybe I'm making too big of a deal about it, but like, shouldn't we value people's stories more than this? Again, the whole point of the movie, not sensationalizing somebody's story for your own profit. Like, can't we do better? Like in the year of our Lord, 2024, can't we do better? Can't we do better than freaking Green Book did? I don't know. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Well, this then my brain goes to like, there should be like laws, ethics, policy uh, around this. The way that when you, you know, like the similar concept of like, you know, copyright law in, in, in the like, in, in the arts, in the music industry. Like if you use this likeness, you need to either mm -hmm. consult yeah. me or let me sue you. You know, like there, there should be a way to get that taken down because these are these people's reputations. And, and of course there's that again, gray area of, which is all of the law, but the gray area of like how much of a public figure are you to the point where like your likeness is out there enough that like things like the crown, you know, like I'm sure none mm -hmm. of them are consulted, but like their whole people are forming whole repu like whole uh, judgments on, who Charles is and what his demeanor is like from just the show and probably are not researching like the, the reality of what's happening. Okay. But like, at what level do we protect the people that have chosen to not have their lives out there and are just trying to live a normal life? There should be laws, you know, like we need some policy reform. There's gotta be something because <laughs> we've run into this so many times. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's rough. And I think, I don't know, especially with this particular story, you know, he was a child when he yeah. was in the tabloids. He was a victim of this woman. And, yeah. and now he's 
I don't know, his stories being used again. Like, it just, it feels so gross. Again, that is the point that the movie is trying to make, but then the movie does the thing. I just, it's so bothersome. And I, Mm. I just, I wish that we could, could move to a place where we just, we value stories more, you know, like, of course, when you're making a movie, you have to make changes for creative license to make it a better story, to fit it into the story structure. Like, I get it. Changes have to be made. But, like, I don't there, – there, some of these movies, it just seems like we're just not valuing people, but we want their stories to entertain. And, of course, a movie should be entertaining, but, like – can't we be a little bit more respectful? Like, I'm not asking for the world here. I'm just asking for a little bit more for this this man who who probably doesn't want to be the focus of people's attention anymore. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yep. Yep. And now he's getting talked about again by all of the media outlets, <laughs> which I, I appreciate the ones that are sharing his thoughts and his him yeah. speaking out and the quotes from what he said because I think it's important that mm-hmm. that is getting just as much energy and attention so that it is a fair warning to the next yeah. storyteller filmmaker whoever who wants to attempt something like this again you know like there is a cost and it's almost the way that like we with our voices us having this podcast and, and talking about this even in our little space here um, you know like we all contribute to what the the media conglomerates the capitalist engines believe the public wants and so if we demand for better like they will give us better because the the stuff won't perform well and and it won't be received well and i think that's that's important part of the discourse which is very good well and i think something kind of tangentially related that's in this realm is that netflix just released a show called griselda uh starring Sofia Vergara about Griselda Blanco, who was a pretty like badass uh, cartel leader in, in the U S and Netflix was sued by her estate because Mm -hmm. like they weren't consulted or something. I don't remember all of the details. So it's just kind of interesting that there are these two Netflix properties released similar, like, uh, like close to each other uh, that are both dealing with this whole like this is a a fictional retelling of this story or this is a dramatization of this story and yet the people who who are connected to the story are saying hey wait no 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 I didn't I didn't consent to this or I didn't consent to this in this way so I just Mm -hmm. I think that that is interesting now that we have we have two of these from Netflix in in just a handful of months Mm -hmm. mm-hmm mm-hmm yeah. Yeah. It's 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 good to see that the discourse is uh hopefully helping to regulate <laughs> what gets funded, what gets created, what gets greenlit, you know, um based on the way that things are being received by the peoples. Um and and if we say this is not what we want to see, this is not okay, um hopefully the the forces at play <laughs> will uh, self-correct to do what is right, to do what is better. It's it's interesting to see that wave happening in um, 
the consumer goods space with sustainable environmental products and the way that like as people are willing to uh, advocate and purchase with their voting, like vote with their dollar with these better products that are made to be safer and less toxic and whatnot, like there is now more of a market and now the capitalist engines are funding and creating products that are truly better for the environment. There's uh, more availability, availability of organic products. So it's fascinating to see that wave happening in um, the sustainable consumer goods space and perhaps a similar wave we can begin to see in like ethical uh, filmmaking and storytelling. I really love your positivity. I am a dark storm cloud. So <laughs> I appreciate that you are a ray of sunshine. Well, we have to have something to hold on to know that at least it's possible. Like the whole, cons- the, the like uh, environmental consumer goods thing. I'm like, oh, we can do it. Like if people are educated and aware of what they're purchasing and willing to, to spend on the things that are better for the world, like the wave is here. We can do it. Let's do another wave, everybody, if we all just get on board. But but it is – there is there needs to be the awareness. There needs to be the conversations. There needs to be the exposure, all of that goodness, which is what we're here doing, just contributing to the to the massive ways of all the, the voices in the masses. I love it. It's great. It's more productive than just screaming into the void. So this is <laughs> – this is great. <laughs> Your way is better. The screaming is important. The screaming is important. We do that. We do that quite a lot here. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. What a, what a film, what a conversation. <laughs> Anything mm. else that uh, we wanted to hit with this movie? Oh, I had one thing hey. I read somewhere that when this film debuted that people were laughing out loud at the theater that apparently this, I mean, the hot dog moment was really funny to me, but like on the whole, I would, I was not like a laughing out loud in this movie. I'm curious if you were, and I'm just, I'm intrigued by that little detail because that was not my experience. This with this movie being like a hilarious movie and having those little, like funny little moments. I can, I can see how some interactions are like, awkward and uncomfortable to the point where you're like okay I just need to laugh to like survive uh but yeah I'm I'm curious I'm curious your thoughts about this movie I think in on on Google it's it's um categorized as uh like a drama comedy or something like that and I was like oh this is not this is not the movie that I watched curious your thoughts yeah IMDB has it listed as dark comedy psychological drama comedy drama which yeah. I found interesting. Yeah. Like, All right. These are some choices. Um, right. Yeah, there were there were points that I thought were funny and that I did. I was like, oh, yeah, no, that's that's actually funny. And then there are the other parts where I was like, oh, I am uncomfortable and I am nervous. So I have to laugh. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I would not characterize this as a comedy, even though I do think that there are funny parts to it. Yeah. Okay, cool. That was a great gut check. I needed to validate. I don't know. Maybe the theater experience is different if someone else is laughing at a scene. I don't know. I guess this gets really funny. My experience at home (laughs) watching this on Netflix. 
Yeah, we the, need co- the some... cognitive part of it just was like mm. oh, like just overpowering every other part of my brain. That makes sense. There's there's a lot going on with that, but we need we need to uh, conduct a poll with people who are actually in the theater and see like right. what type of laughter was this, you know, because there's different types of laughter. So we we just need to get a feel mm. for that because maybe because yes. like. I would be really uncomfortable watching this movie in a whole theater. I would be like nervous laughing because I would be uncomfortable. So maybe it was just a lot of that. Everyone's just nervous and uncomfortable. Yeah. So what are <laughs> you going to do? This is how we survive as humans. This is yes. how we survive because hey, you either need... got to laugh or you got to cry. So we need an outlet. Yeah. Yeah. Let's let's and laugh it up. One sounds a lot more fun than the other. So <laughs> it's true. Here we are. <laughs> all right well this is our review and discussion of may december you can find it available on netflix thank you for listening to this week's episode of movies and us our name sums it up we're all about movies and the powerful ways we connect with each other and the world around us this podcast is about all of us and our shared stories so everyone is welcome here and we're so glad you spent time with us today you can subscribe to this podcast on spotify Apple Podcasts, or wherever you tune into your favorite shows. Drop us a rating and review, letting us know your thoughts about May-December and the larger discourse surrounding May-December. You can connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at MoviesInUsPod, or you can email us at MoviesInUsPod at gmail.com. We will be back next week to discuss the film The Color Purple as we continue our run-up to the Oscars. We hope you have an amazing week, and we'll see you next week.